0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift and the ministry of prophecy through the holy spirit. God, we pray that not only would we read the word of God, but that we would see it in action. Lord, I pray through the holy spirit that we would hear your voice, that we would speak to one another words of edification, exhortation and comfort. Would you come among us in your healing and your revealing power, by your manifest presence. I pray that you would bless and strengthen for those of us that are waiting on you, we're seeking you, we're asking you for something and There may be a shift that's needed. I pray that in this environment, in this gathering, and and even for those that are online, there's no, distance is not a thing for you. We pray that you would speak to our hearts. Thank you for this gift. Teach us now, we pray, that we would be biblically grounded, Christ-centered, and filled with your spirit. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name, and God's people said amen, amen. The purpose of prophecy, let me remind you what we've talked about thus far we've we've talked about prophets old testament prophets new testament prophets false prophets i talked to you about the definition of prophecy what is the gift of prophecy what is the prophet what is the difference what is the anointing to prophesy and then i talked to you about the prophetic gifts so we described word of knowledge word of wisdom gift of prophecy and also We talked about the discerning of spirits a little bit, right? So we're not gonna be able to cover everything in as much detail as I would like, but we're trying to get some detail in here and this is a little bit more practical. What I'm gonna do is is it's not gonna be as much theological as we've maybe tried to cover in the past. There's gonna be a lot of practical stuff. So this is more of an inspirational message, a little bit shorter message than you're used to from me. And it's also very practical. Why? Because for us to care about the prophetic gift and ministry. Pastor Ben, why are we spending so much time talking about this? Why did you write a book on this really great question? Because it matters, and it's all throughout the scripture. In addition to that, when we know what the purpose of prophecy is and what it brings to the body of Christ and to the world, all of a sudden it becomes relevant for every one of us in this room. And the scriptures clarify that for us, and we certainly want to see what it has to say, but you cannot sum prophecy up in one statement. If you were to say to me, Pastor Ben, what is the purpose of prophecy? It's multifaceted, it's multi multi-purposed. And so what I wanna do is I wanna bring you through the various purposes that prophecy has. Why? Because I wanna give you, hopefully, if I can, or at least the word can, can give us an appetite for what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us. Amen? When you have an appetite, when we have a hunger, what God does, all of a sudden we begin to seek after what God gives. When you're hungry, what do you do? You look for something to eat. And I think there is a problem sometimes when we're not hungering after God, what we need for him to do is give us a vision and show us the purpose of what he's doing and what he's offering. And when we see it, when we see him and when we see what he brings and what he'll do through the gifts that he gives, I think it will change It will change everything. I think prophetic words are like seeds—seeds, little seeds—and when they're planted, they all look the same. I mean, some seeds are bigger a little bit, and some are smaller. I mean, I'm not a master gardener, okay, but I know what seeds are. All right, so don't get technical. Just follow my illustration. But seeds—they look like they look all the same. All right, you plant them. And then after a period of time and they're watered and they emerge out of the ground, they don't look the same after a while. They start, some of them, the little seed can become a massive tree. Some of them become a bush. Some of them can become a fruit tree or a plant or a weed, right? So the seed looks the same, but when it comes up and the life emerges from the ground, they look differently. And I think prophetic words are like that. Not just one word does the same thing. They have many purposes. So, God, through a prophetic word, will plant that word in someone's heart through someone. And when that word is planted and we yield to what God is saying, if it's the Lord, it will produce a kind of fruit for which he intends. And so, I love the fact that it's multi-purposed, it's multifaceted. And here we read in 1 Corinthians, Fourteen, chapter fourteen, and verse one. The apostle Paul is giving instructions to the Corinthian church about prophecy, and he begins the conversation by saying, "This. Listen. Follow the way of love, and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy." Now, there's two clear points that I want to that I want to share right from what we just read. Number one, love must be the motivation for seeking and sharing prophetic gifts with other people love we love people therefore we'll ask god for the prophetic word and it's got to be from a place of love not from a place of desiring to look spiritual to act spiritual and first corinthians 13 helps us understand that we don't want to do it to act like we're powerful spiritual people we want to do it in love seeking the benefit of someone else that's the motivation So he says, follow the way of love. The second thing, he says, we need to eagerly desire prophetic words. Now, now let me ask you this question. When's the last time that you could say, I eagerly desire to prophesy? You say, Pastor Ben, why? Why? The emphasis. I'm going to read it. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially the gift of prophecy. Now, you might ask me this question. Do you think prophecy is the greatest gift? And I would give you this answer. I do not think that prophecy is the greatest gift per se. I think that the greatest gift is the gift that we need in the moment that we're in. All right? You, you, if you need a hammer and somebody gives you a screwdriver, that's not very helpful. All right? You need a hammer. So the greatest gift is the gift that you need in the moment that you're in for the situation that is upon you. But Paul does say something distinct about prophecy that we need to also understand. He says, especially prophecy. Why? Because he knows more than anybody what prophecy releases into the lives of people. And we've got to know the same thing. Do you eagerly desire to prophesy? I'm gonna pray that you do. I'm going to pray that you do. And don't you give me that excuse. Don't you say, that's not my gift. Don't you say, well, I'm not really that enthused. I'm not that excited. I don't know. It's kind of tough. Don't do that. Just give me 40 minutes, all right, to hopefully convince you that you can be Desirous, you can eagerly desire to prophesy. Will you give me 40 minutes? Now, you're already here. I'm just asking you to yield to the total 40 minutes. That's all I'm asking you to do. All right, you're already here. You might as well do it. You might as well do it. Let's make a commitment. Let's make a deal. I was watching, um, I, we don't have regular television, we have Netflix and, and this stuff, and we should boycott all of it. I know people are like, boycott Netflix. <laughs> we should just get rid of the whole thing. But seriously, we haven't had cable television for our entire marriage, Bridget and I, and, and we're better off. Every now and again, we'll go stay at a hotel and we'll get our like fix. You know, you just go through the channels and then we, re- we are reminded ever so clearly why we do not have this because we are like everyone else and this is what we're going to do no matter what. Now, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying that when we go to a hotel, we do this for like an hour and we look at each other and we go, yeah, we just, and you can't stop. You just, you know what I'm saying? You just can't stop. And maybe it's just that withdrawal because we don't have, haven't had it for 15 years or more. And so anyways, but I was watching. I think I was on the elliptical machine at Planet Fitness where I love to go and stay 12 feet away from other people so I can pull down my mask. But I was at Planet Fitness and I was on the elliptical machine and I was watching the television and I think it was Outback Steakhouse. Now, we used to like Outback Steakhouse. We just haven't gone there in a long time. Why haven't we gone there? I don't know. Anyways. You know, I don't know. So it was Outback Steakhouse, and it was one of those commercials for like twenty-five dollars, you can get like our whole kitchen. It was like you get, you get three sides and a steak and a half a cow and a huge dessert you shouldn't eat. You know? Do you know what I mean? And it looks amazing. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like it looks amazing. It never looks like that when they bring it to you. It kind of looks like that, but sort of a miniaturized version, and you know, piece of cake's like half the size. But they show you this picture. And they've admitted. If you've ever watched advertisements behind the scenes, they've admitted that everything is maximized and all that. So I'm not trying to indict anybody, but it's true. It's true. Fake news. It's true. But I'm watching this, and it's this whole thing for like twenty five dollars, and it's it, it's mouth watering. You're watching that, and you're and you're working out. <laughs> working out, and you're like, oh, that's good. In my mind, though, I, there's no way in the world I'm getting off the elliptical and going down to Outback Steakhouse. Like, that is not going to happen. So part, for this one day, I, when I was watching this, I was saying to myself, man, I wonder, I wonder how much they spent on this commercial. Because in, I'm not going there. So I wonder, like, what you know, why would they spend this money? So I did a little bit of research, a little bit of nerd work, and I do that. I admit it. So I did that, and I found out that there are some commercials, depending upon the prime time television, the, the spots that you get, for 30-second ads, depending on how long you run them, people easily have their millions of dollars in their budget for this kind of advertisement. I mean, you could spend a million dollars for 30 days, for 30-second ads, depending on the prime time that you get, a million dollars. In my mind, I was like, the rate of return on that just cannot work out. Like, the numbers cannot work out. And I'm already way too far into this conversation with you, let alone my own life. Because I'm like, I'm not even going to go there. Like, we, haven't even, we don't even remember the last time we went. So, so I was thinking, they, they, they've got to know something I don't know. They've got to know something I don't know. These people have got to, advertisers got to know, because they wouldn't spend the money if it didn't do something, and they didn't feel like the rate of return was there. They're not dumb. These people know what they're doing. And so... I started thinking about it, and it came to me. If they can show you something that can give you an appetite for what you previously did not have, the chances of you going there and sitting down and having what they've shown you is way higher, if not entirely possible, than if you hadn't seen it. What's the principle? If someone wants you to have it, they've got to show you. Now, here's what I'm trying to say as an illustration. When it comes to prophecy, the way that we eagerly desire prophesying is that we've got to see it. If you don't see it, you won't hunger for it. When you see it and you see that it changes people's lives, all of a sudden you go, could I do that? Is that, Ben, are you saying that I can be a part of that, I can receive that? I can share that? Are you literally saying that? And see, that's the thing, is in a lot of church environments, you don't have the prophetic. You don't have the spirit of prophecy. Now, the Holy Spirit is there, and all the potential in the Holy Spirit through his people is absolutely there. But we don't eagerly desire because we haven't seen it. And if we haven't seen it, we don't really want it the way that we ought to. Paul says eagerly desire. Do you eagerly desire? I do. Now, there are days where it's not burning hot like that, but I've seen God break chains. I've seen God comfort people. I've seen God turn a situation around by one word. Not my word, not your word, not your best word, not some flimsy, wishful thinking something out of your back pocket here you go hope it works out pat on the back christian cliche not that a word from heaven that's what we're talking about we're talking about when god does something says something and turns a situation around how many of you have experienced god giving you a word through another person and it did something in your life yeah praise the lord I want you to hunger for that. I want you to think about what God did for you and now realize in this moment and be reminded that God wants to bring words through you. Maybe not every day, maybe not all the time, but he wants to stir that up, eagerly desire. How do you do that? You've gotta see it. And maybe for some of us, we've gotta be reminded of it. Amen, we've gotta cultivate that desire. The rest of our time together, I'm gonna give you multiple purposes. Number one, what does prophecy do? What is the purpose of prophecy? Number one, prophecy releases strength. We're gonna use 1 Corinthians 14.3 as a guide. We're gonna share three purposes there, and then there's more, but we see three very clearly. 1 Corinthians 14.3, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. The word strength can mean the capacity or substance to withstand great force or pressure, the capacity or the substance to withstand great force or pressure. Imagine as you're going through your life, you've all been in a situation where everything's caving in on you, all right? The pressure is against you. Something is coming against you, and and all of a sudden, the grace that you lived in prior to today is seemingly not strong enough for what you're facing. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It doesn't mean God isn't available. It means now you've got to reach into God in a way to receive grace for now that you previously did not have because the pressure is stronger. But what, what, do, what are we reaching for? Here's what God will do as we gather. This is why gathering is so special. Even online, we're gathering together online, we're gathering together on site. Why? Because as we share spiritual gifts, what does the Lord do? When he releases a prophetic word, even if it's simple, it will strengthen us. It will, there's, a, there's a biblical word, it will gird us up. Isn't that a weird word? It will gird us up. It will strengthen us and cause us to stand even when we don't feel like it. Why? Because a word from God can release power from God. Words from God can release power from God. Why? Because they're from God. They're not just words. They're not just flimsy words that don't mean anything. They're from heaven. The Lord strengthens us. Obviously, we need that in the days that we're living in, and we know worldly things cannot do that. Ephesians 6.10 Paul's talking in the context of spiritual warfare. This is where he talks about the armor, put on the armor of God. And he says, before he labels all of the pieces of armor, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's a great exhortation. How do you receive strength from God? One way is what we just read in 1 Corinthians 14.3. Prophecy releases strength. When you and I need strength, how do we get it? We ask for it, but how does He give it to us? Different ways. One of the ways is from one another. What if the person next to you is carrying the strength that you need found in the seed of a word? You notice how the Bible talks about love one another, serve one another, pray for one another. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. One another, one another, one another. You get tired of reading the one another. There's like 13 of them. What you find very clearly when you read scripture is that God fully intends for us to receive all that he has, we have to press in to one another. We're going to receive, and that's why isolation is not for you. Isolation is not for you. We've got to press in any way that we can. Even in this pandemic time, if you're online and you're at home and you feel like you can't be here, press in, email us. We've got to be the body of Christ. Email your friends, call your friends, press into relationship somehow. But somebody could be carrying that word of strength for you. I wanted to, um, I'm going to share this at our annual members meeting, but I've been, uh, when I was on our uh, staycation with my family, staycation, which was basically I didn't preach. (laughs) That's what I was doing for two weeks, okay? So anyways, a couple weeks, and I was uh, going crazy. So we're fixing everything and painting everything and doing everything because I can't sit still. Just my MO, right? I'm always doing something, and, and you can judge me for that, but I just can't change. I've tried. I tried. And while I try to change, I end up painting something, you know? It's great. I'm going to go pray about that while I paint. A- anyway, so I was thinking about what the Lord was saying. And uh, I was re- I would receive words from the Lord, discernment in particular. And and it didn't come like paragraphs from God. What what would come is a word would come at different times. I I'd, I'd be on a ladder or I'd be doing this or doing that and 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 my music would this album would be over and then there'd be an hour and you just get lost in your thoughts and then all of a sudden it's like it's like the clouds open up and I, I would have a discernment from the Lord. And there was this one moment where I sensed the Lord give me a word and that word was for us and that word was rebuild, that it's, it's, it's time for us to rebuild. Now, now I'm not saying everything is collapsed, but I, but I am saying that there's a sense in which God wants to help us to rebuild our, our lives and in a a way where we might need to move some walls as we do it. We might need to put some things in place that maybe weren't that way prior to now, if you know what I'm saying. A lot has collapsed, and sometimes when you stop and you take inventory, you don't realize how much you've lost until you consider what's no longer there. As you start to rebuild, you realize that it's not just about what you lost, it's about whether or not you're going to rebuild and you're gonna do so and and do it in a way that's gonna build out instead of let's just go back to the way that it was. God's gonna give us an opportunity in the collapse. Here's the word that I shared with you. I wanna remind you, I said this from this stage on February 9th. That was before we knew coronavirus was a thing, okay? I went back through my journal, you would not believe how amazing God is, like, just, if you journal, this is why you should, I would convince you. I went through the prophetic words that I was sharing, I had no clue what I was talking about, right? We're just men and women, we have no clue, we're just, we're just walking along, thank you, Lord, and then you look back and you go, oh my goodness, and so we give him praise. But here's what I said to you on February 9th, I see a picture of a large brick building which represents a stronghold is what I thought, and and really probably was, but more than that, I believe. And all of a sudden, it collapsed. All of a sudden, collapsed. After the smoke cleared, there was rubble everywhere, and I knew that the building coming down was one thing, but the cleanup would take more time. Also said that the Lord is calling us to commit to the process of clearing the field, cleaning up the rubble, and rebuilding something even bigger in its place. I said that to you on February 9th. I didn't have a clue that I'd said that on February 9th until I started looking at the prophecy journal. I've got a new one now as I keep filling them up. And I keep, I'm going to share several more. God is, prepare, God is preparing us, and He's going to do something far beyond what we could ask, think, or imagine. Here's what I'm saying Prophecy gives us strength, prophecy gives us strength to rebuild. Right now, you feel like, what am I going to do? Some of us, not all of us, but some of us feel, what am I going to do? How am I going to recover? How am I going to do what's needed to be done in the days ahead? Because you're going to do it by the strength of God. That's how you're going to do it. And you're going to do more than you think you would be able to do. You're going to be able to endure more pressure than you've ever endured before. You say, Ben, don't say that. You have no idea what I've been through. You're right. I don't. But I'm going to tell you what. You can because of what he'll give and he'll give you what you need and what i need when we need it isn't that awesome and he might just make a decision i'm going to deposit a word right now in this meeting and when you get it it's going to give you the strength for the next 6 months to a year and here we are thinking how's how's it going to happen <laughs> how am i going to walk this out how am i going to live this out and the lord's not even thinking that at all he's got the whole world in his hands, come on, he's got the whole world in his hands. Don't make me sing now. He, has got the whole wide world. Doesn't matter how wide it is. You know, I'll do. I'll go. I'll go all the way back to the children's songs. I'll get Jared up here and he'll play behind me, and we'll do some prophetic worship with "I Got the Whole World in My Hands." If we need it, and I bet you that would strengthen you, wouldn't it? You'd walk out of here like, "Wow, I feel I feel like I can rebuild." Amazing. All right, some of you just needed a laugh. You're cutting loose a little bit. You're trying not to laugh. I'm getting you, though, aren't I? It's coming. A couple of you, not, not yet. Just wait. It's not over yet. Prophecy releases strength. Don't you need some strength? How about the people around you? Do they need some strength? It's not about us convincing. It's about reaching into the Lord, and he'll give us that one word that maybe doesn't make sense to us, but bam, it'll just cause somebody to stand up tall. Prophecy releases encouragement, number two. 1 Corinthians fourteen 3, I'll remind you, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening and their encouragement. The word encouragement in the original language means to inspire, stimulate, admonish. Sometimes it's even translated as exhortation. Most people live their lives with a deficiency of encouragement, and we all need to know that we can do it, that we can make it, and God is with us. That is not a little thing. You know, I always think it's interesting when non-charismatics, and I don't care as long as we're all orthodox Christian, I love the body of Christ. Don't misunderstand me. But when people who are anti-Pentecostal and they think what I'm teaching is just hideous, (laughs) they think it's terrible, they think it's wrong. It's just amazing to me how they look down on these types of things and they think, you know, this like little encouragement, this little pilfy thing that you guys, you charismatics do. It's like, are you kidding me? The world is suffering from a deficiency of encouragement. Now, I love counselors, mental health specialists, all of you, I love that you love Jesus. If you're listening to me, I see you, I love you. I refer plenty of people to you, you know me. Here's the thing. I think part of the problem and, and the fact that we, now we do need counselors and, that love Jesus, okay? Praise the Lord. But what do you think? if the body of Christ knew how to receive and give prophetic encouragement, I wonder if our need to have some of that type of work would be there if we knew how to just give and receive encouragement on a very profound level. I often wonder if we would just practice the gifts of the Spirit. There would be such a deep exchange at a profound level that we wouldn't walk around needing the affirmation that we often need. Now, you and I, we all grew up and we had problems, right? If you, if you dig into your root system and your family dysfunctions and your issues, family of origin issues are massive. We all have them. And, and for you, it might be different than me in such a way where your issue I would, I've overcome and my issue you've overcome. And so I can look at you and go, I don't know why you're dealing with that. And you could look at me and I don't know why that's a big deal to you because we're all different. We all receive differently. We've all grown up differently. But listen to me. If we as the church knew how to give and receive encouragement, I bet you the affirmation of Christ, the strengthening work of the Spirit, the encouragement to get up, to step up, to know that we can do it in life because He is with us, having our identity fixed in Christ. Prophecy helps us to walk out who God has created us to be. It isn't the only thing, but it is something that he's given to us, and I believe that it will help fill the void of the deficiency that we all face. People at Starbucks, people at the grocery store, people at your kid's school, people at the place that you work at, they all need encouragement, and God gives it to us prophetically, and all we got to do is stay in tune, and it may not look like, hey, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. You're a prophet. It may not look like that. We're all looking for that thing that is so profoundly supernatural that we're missing the things that look natural, but they are actually the most profound thing that a person could ever hear, and it is from God. And that's why I don't get it when, when non-charismatics make fun of charismatics. Oh, you guys are just what? No, I have seen the, 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 the shortest words, the most generalized words that they just, they don't even seem like prophecies. But because of the moment that a person was in, it absolutely was. It absolutely was. Are we, as we're in tune to the Spirit, we're going to see more and more and more. I had a picture for someone. You were standing on a, on a large rug, and quickly the rug got pulled out from under you. And you were sitting on the ground in a daze. I've seen something like this before, but I saw you sitting on the ground, and, 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 the, and the focus was you're, you're, just, you're just on the ground going, what in the world? How did, this, how did this happen? Why am I here? And, and the questions that come when you're there, when you're on the ground, and it was so sudden and was so quick, like, you, you, you just don't know what to do. Do I get up? Do I stay here? Why did this happen? Where am I at? Why am I here? What's going on and it was just like what came into my mind. The Lord wants you to know that he will help you get up as you lay hold of his word. You grabbed hold of his hand, but his hand represented his promises. And they were not confusing. They were simple. God is calling us to believe. And as we lay hold of him, he'll, he'll just bring us up. He wants to encourage you. You feel like you're on the ground. You feel like you fell. You feel like something caused you to fall. Something got pulled out from under you. I'm telling you, I want to encourage you. The Lord himself will see to it that you get pulled up. Say, I don't know how to pull myself up. That's fine. That's fine. He's strong enough. He could pull you right up. I'm prophesying to you tonight. He wants to remind us, don't give up, look up. Come on, I'm gonna rhyme. Here we go. Don't give in, press in. Don't walk away, start to pray. It's time. This is good stuff. Jesus is the source of life. He's the goal of life. And when we have him, we can always get up, we can always step up, we can always speak up, and we need to be encouraged because he lives in us, and he wants to speak through us to other people. Not only will you receive encouragement prophetically, but you get to give it, and that's awesome. That's awesome. Many encouraging words seem general at first, but they end up targeting areas of our heart and inspiring us to the greater places that God is calling us Not just the success words. You can be successful. Awesome. What does that mean? (laughs) I mean, I just want to give glory to God. You know what I'm saying? I don't just want to wallow around on the ground and have self-pity. I I want to give glory to God. That's what we're talking about. Not talking about the success in this world or anything like that. I I I don't care about that. We've lost all that for Christ. Number three, prophecy releases comfort. 1 Corinthians 14, 3. Again, but everyone who prophesies speaks to men for their strength, their encouragement, and their comfort. We don't know what people around us are going through. We judge based on the outward. We we judge by the flesh. It's easy to do. Everybody falls prey to it. You all have done it. Maybe even today, you might even be doing it right now. I'm not judging you, though, just a little bit. But we need comfort. Prophetic words bring peace beyond understanding, hope in the midst of hopelessness. They bring faith when our hearts are gripped with fear. Think about what we're going through right now as a society. Maybe, maybe you're um, sheltered from the realities of what others are facing. If you haven't lost the job, maybe you're not feeling joblessness and hopelessness in that. Maybe you haven't had a health issue, but others have, and so you don't feel the fear that they feel. Maybe you haven't experienced loss like some have, and so you're not experiencing that grip that, that, that disappointment. You know, the power I've learned in this season especially, the power of disappointment, just being disappointed. It's like a pit bull that just latches onto your soul and won't let go. You try to get rid of that thing, it just latches on. God wants to replace our disappointments. I was praying to, and I had a sense that someone's struggling with a type of anxiety. It's a social anxiety. I don't think I even understand um, how to describe that And it doesn't mean I have never had it. I'm just saying that was the term that I had in my mind, a social anxiety. You struggle to be around people. At times, it's unbearable. I'm talking to someone here or I'm talking to someone online. I prayed earlier before the service. God sees you. God loves you. And God's going to help you take this step by step. You're looking for the miracle. You're looking to not feel this anymore. And I'm just saying to you that you just have to keep taking steps. And so you want the miracle, you want to get through to the other side tomorrow and you keep feeling discouraged because it hasn't changed in this miraculous way. A lot of miracles happen over a period of a month, amen? Some miracles are not immediate and instantaneous. I don't know about you, but I've had the miracles of God happen in my life over a period of time one step at a time, and then I realize, and unfortunately, when time passes, we don't always give God the glory that he deserves. I could go through my prophecy journal with you, and there's no way that I gave God the glory that he deserves just based on the words that he gave and the fulfillment of all of the things that he has done, but I'm thankful that I get to look back. And the reason we even have like an annual members meeting is because we're looking back at all that God did this year, even in the midst of the pressure And the difficulty, but I'm saying to someone that you have this social anxiety, you're struggling with being around people, it feels unbearable at times. God's going to help you step by step, and he wants to comfort you right now so that you don't have to feel guilty like you're less than, and you're not as good as others, and you just need to get your act together. Be comforted by the Lord. Press into him. Let him give you what you need. God will give that to you. You don't have to feel like a horrible person. I meet many who are burdened by life. They're drowning in difficulty. They're just barely holding on. I meet with lots of people. That's where they are. The reality is, is God can comfort us. And comfort is not, uh, they're there, I hope you make it. It's like, they're there. (laughs) You know I mean? It's a whole different there. I don't know how to... God's comfort is not just patting us on the head, patronizing us. God's comfort is releasing something into our soul, that starts to stop the churning, the, the turmoil that's causing an anxiety, the turmoil that's causing us to feel unsettled. God can release peace. The shalom of the Lord. Even right now, I mean, I, I've prayed for people. Listen, listen to this, okay? When I first started praying for demonized people and I remember laying hands on them, I didn't know how to pray. I mean, not for demonized people that were literally manifesting. And, uh, and people always ask me, do you think Christians can have demons? I mean, if they want to. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to. No, not possessed. You can't be possessed by a demon. But can you allow access of a demonic spirit? you darn right you can. Yeah, I mean, if you allow yourself for long periods of time, you open your life to demonic presence and willful, unrepentant sin over a long period of time, unrepentant sin over a long period of time, you think you're not going to have a demonic stronghold, and you want to hold to a doctrine where you can't have a demon. That's crazy. I've prayed for a lot of people that are Christians, lots of people that are Christians that have manifested demonically. And there are folks that come right in and go, well, they're not saved anyways. And I'm like, that's, that's Sarah. We know her. You just messed with your theology. I'm not really trying to figure out all that. What I'm trying to do is get Sarah free. If your name's Sarah, I'm sorry. It's not you. It's not you, Sarah. Sarah, we love you. Sarah, it's not you. Different Sarah. I started laying hands on people, and, and, and you know, you just got that look. You know, you got that look of faith. I'm going to, you know, I just cast that thing out. Nothing happens. Just command you in the name of Jesus, nothing happens. You're like, this ain't working, you know. You never really were taught. You just did what the other person did, you know, and you're like, man, I mean, I believe he lives in me, all that stuff. So in, in my earlier days, I just get thrown out into the deep end and, uh, and it was always under this conflict of with a person that, like, nobody thought would do this. I remember one of the first times I ever preached on the authority of Christ. One of my points was authority over the demonic. And two people in the room during my sermon fell on the floor and start moving around. It was crazy. And it's happened many times since. Not tons, but it's happened before or happened after. But It was the first time it ever happened. And uh, I remember the pastor was a friend of mine and... Um, we didn't know what to do, and they just got back from a mission trip, so everybody was like really feeling it. They were all in faith, you know, so they're like casting and commanding, and nothing's happening to these, these two individuals, and so I walk over, and I sit on a chair, and I'm looking at this lady, and I'm just like, this is, this is terrible what's happening here, and she's just rolling back and forth, and the Holy Spirit filled my, filled my heart with faith, filled my mind with wisdom, and it was just one word that came to my mind, and that word was peace, and so I look at her and I just say, be at peace in Jesus' name. And it was like, pfft, she just like a, like a dead fish, just on the ground, just laid out, not moving. So then we picked her up and we got her onto a seat and we, she came to and we prayed for her and we walked her through the whole situation. It's a long story, but we walked her through and then we did the same thing with the other lady. same thing happened. I just looked at her, I said, be at peace in the name of Jesus. That was it. Now you can't do that as a formula. I'm just going to tell you right now: you go try it, and it may not work for you. It's the anointing. No, I mean it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I was learning how to walk in the anointing. I was learning how to minister by the Holy Spirit. He was speaking to me, and he was welling up in my heart what he was saying. And so I spoke that. My point is, is that when when the when we have this churning, it can even be demonic. It can be demonic. It can be stress, and we can allow this. It could be demonic. It could be natural. It could be all kinds of stuff. It doesn't matter to what extent that it is. I'm saying there are words that when they're spoken into our life, that's what can happen. If they're from God, they have power attached to them. Our words don't have that kind of power. They don't. They don't have that kind of power. But when you speak a word from the Lord, let me just remind you, in this room, in the last year, I've seen it happen many, many, many times, whether it's me or Pastor Darby or somebody else praying, I've watched a word that has power attached to it all of a sudden just release something in the midst of it. And comfort is one of those things that God will do. When we speak the peace of Christ, it causes the churning that churning. That turmoil that we're just struggling with and we're grappling with and we can't get free from, it'll go poof like it wasn't there. It's amazing. Don't you think the church needs to walk more in that? I picture these words are like life preservers and they're just thrown out into the water of our lives as people are struggling to stay afloat and they help stabilize. They're like the promises of the Lord. We latch onto those life preservers. As the body of Christ learns to minister prophetically, powerfully, effectively, (laughs) you unleash those people on the world without any fear of what people think about them when they speak. And I'm not saying you gotta bash people. We're all different. You're not gonna look like me. I'm not gonna look like you. You're not gonna say things the way I do. But you can say them the way you do. God wants to use you and he wants to use me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. God anoints each one of us, not to be someone else, but to be us, the spirit-filled version of us in every sphere of life. And if we're not afraid, we don't have to be brash, we don't have to be brazen, we can be ourselves. But as we are that, and we have access to what God has given us through the Holy Spirit in Christ, the more we learn about that, the more it flows through us. It says, rivers of living water will flow out of your innermost being. I, I, I picture the rivers, one of those rivers is powerful prophetic words that maybe don't look like a lot to us, but a comforting word. One word can silence demonic turmoil in someone's life. What does that make you think of? I mean, just, just, if that doesn't give you a hunger to want to minister prophetically, I don't know, I can't give it, I can't make it happen. But I'm telling you it does. Amen. I'm telling you, it does. Now, we got to keep moving along. We got to keep moving along. I don't know what time it is, but I told you it was going to be a shorter sermon, and I may have lied to you. I don't know. All right, prophecy releases confirmation. Confirmation. Since we all can hear the voice of God uh, as spirit filled believers, one of the greatest blessings that prophecy releases is to confirm what we already hear God saying. We can be uncertain about what God is saying regarding our family, our career, ministry, life decisions. Those moments are extremely helpful in clarifying when you receive a word from another person that clarifies, out of maybe the many things you're considering, clarifies the one thing that you need to think about right now. Sometimes it streamlines the one thing. It doesn't dismiss everything. It just streamlines the one thing right now. Confirmation. I've personally witnessed this, received this many times. A great biblical example is when the Apostle Paul became a Christian you might remember this in Acts chapter 9 in verse 10 through 19. He was told very clearly through Ananias that he would be God's chosen instrument. I will show you what you must suffer for my name's sake. You remember this? Well, this was the prophecy over the apostle Paul when he was saved. How would you enjoy that one? You are my chosen instrument, like that part, and I will show you how much you must suffer for my name's sake. Did you say buffer? There's a buffer between here and where I'm going? Is that what you meant? You'd want to have bad hearing. But that's what he was told. It was prophesied over his life, chosen instrument. He's going to send him to the Gentiles. There's two different versions of this. There's Acts 27:14 and Acts 9:10. So, here is Paul, he's in Antioch for at least a year or two. And he's there, and he's during a time of prayer and fasting. There's local prophets that are there. This is what happens. Paul's there for a couple years. He's already had this word prophesied over his life. Listen to this. Now, there were at Antioch in the church, there was their prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. That's Paul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, they were worshiping, the Holy Spirit said through one of the prophets, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. I wanna share something with you. That wasn't the first time that Paul had ever considered that he was supposed to be set apart for something. Okay, there was more clarity that probably came in that moment. What I'm saying is, this was not a moment of direction that he didn't have previously spoken over his life. He already was carrying Something special that he was to give himself for, and now there's a prophet that comes and and confirms. That's what happens. I've seen this many times. One funny story, which I'll share with you. I have just enough time to do. I was. uh, We started these meetings called Hearing God. They're similar to this, but they were. um, We we had a lot more practice than we do, so we'd stay there for hours. I mean, you it we they were very long meetings especially in the early days when we first started them. So we'd have people come up and they'd stand up here and then I'd have everybody, like I've done with us, um, seek the Lord for a prophetic word for the person. Okay, I would do that kind of stuff. Well, there were times where I would, just like I do now, I demonstrate it and then I release people to do it. So I teach, I demonstrate, and then I have other people... um, we release other people, activate people to do it themselves. That's the model that we've always used. So back then, I just look at this guy. He's back here somewhere way in the back at the sanctuary that I was in. This is a long time ago. And I give him this word. I had a vision of this guy on a beach. This is just a funny vision. Never seen this guy before. His the first time. He's got his family with him. Never seen him before in my life. I said, sir, I see you on a beach. So I'm looking at this guy in the back and... And I tell him, I, I had this vision, he's on a beach and I see all these people around him and he's got a Bible open and he's ministering to them. And, and basically, this is what I said. I said, you and your family, it just came out of my mouth, are going to plant a church among diverse, a diverse community. Somehow a beach is involved and God will provide for you and bless you greatly in this. The man literally laughed out loud in front of everybody after I said it. That's exactly how it happened. He laughed out loud in front of everybody. It was super awkward, very strange. So I was nervous for exactly what was gonna come out of his mouth. So somebody like Jared would have grabbed a microphone, runs back to the Silver Surfer and says, what, what's so funny? And the guy says this. This is exactly as it happened. No exaggeration, no embellishing. That's what I said and that's, this is what he said. He said, we've tried to come to this meeting for a long time because we were doing this every month. We were always doing these meetings and they were at the same time uh, same time, same day of the month. Every, a lot of people in the region knew about him. So we've been trying to come to this meeting for a long time. And God called us to drive down to San Diego and plant a church on the beach among the beach community. And it's the strangest thing. So we sold everything that we had, and we packed up our van, and he's got his kids with him. And this is the last time that we could stop by here as we're driving out Of Washington State to go to San Diego. We got to make it tonight. We're literally leaving after this meeting. We're driving to California. And this is what you say to me. And so he's laughing. He's just he's out of it. You know, he's he's you could say drunk in the Holy Ghost. I don't know what he is. He's gone. This guy's gone. Whatever I taught, he didn't remember if anybody else saw him or anything else. And so I think people walked up and gave him money. I'm pretty sure people walked up and gave him money. He got funded. The trip got funded. That's how a church plan happened right there. It was amazing. Confirmation. Confirmation. You know what it taught me? It taught me that as people are taking steps in obedience to God, God will supply the words that you need in those steps of faith. That's what happens. But what doesn't happen a lot of times is we chill. We hang out right here. You know, if God's got to move you, And then he's got to confirm to you after he moves you. And he's got to push you. And you're just, no, I'm not going anywhere. And he's got to push you. And you're like, God, where are all the words? He's giving words to people as they're moving. Come on, if you're not moving, let me encourage you. And here's what will happen. You don't have to be that spiritual when you walk into a room, if you're prayed up, When you look at somebody and you're worshiping, you all of a sudden will start getting irritated with the person next to you. And instead of thinking that it's something bad, maybe it's God is starting to put something in your heart because they're moving and he needs somebody to hear him so that they can give a confirmation to the moving that they're doing in their life. And that's what the Lord will do. And so he'll do that with you and he'll do that with with me. Isn't that amazing? That's what God wants to do. He wants to do that tonight, and he wants to do that every night. And it may not be for you every night, but it can be through you on any given night. And so what I think we've got to do is shift from wanting to receive the word to wanting to give the word. I'll tell you something. If you shift from wanting to receive and you want to give, what will happen is you'll start to hear more. And when you start to hear more, you'll just get into this place where you flow. The Bible says rivers of living water will flow. I don't know much about rivers, but I know they don't don't stop. They flow. And so when you and I get into a flow, we activate that. We keep sharing. We keep praying. We keep sharing. And something begins to happen. And I'll tell you, I can already tell you what's happened to some of us. We used to prophesy. We used to prophesy but the river's dried up, right? The river's dried up. Ben, I know how to prophesy. Some of you are in this room. You've been prophesying for so long. You can't count the years, but the river's dried up. Now I'm gonna stir you up because I may be saying what you already know, but you've gotta go back to seeking God for prophetic words because you're standing around people that don't know what you know, but they need what you have, and if we just get into that place where we're that channel of rivers of living water and we start to flow again, just start to share one word with somebody and it's not, it's a pitily little thing. It's like, you know, God just wants, I just believe the Lord put it in my heart to tell you that he's really pleased with where you're going and what you're doing. There's just something special about this season and I can tell. And that person just goes, oh my gosh, I just, you know, I felt that. Thank you. And, and you know, and you didn't get much out of that. You thought, oh, I just wanted them to fall over. But they walk home, they go home, and it doesn't leave them. Because you know what I know about prophetic words? Even when it's not fantastical, it doesn't leave you. It's like this. It has an echo. Those words have an echo. And God doesn't need our help. Yea, I say unto thee. He doesn't need our help. He just needs our heart. He needs our surrender. When he has that, we don't have to make these fantastical things up. Now, if you like King James English, you go for it. I don't, but we want to flow. It's time to flow. If you know how to prophesy, it's time to flow. And you don't got to make stuff up. And in fact, I would tell you to tone it down and be normal. Be normal. I don't know what it feels like to have to stir up some kind of religious thing. Well, you know, I was praying for 16 hours. Don't, listen, you can flow like a river. A river doesn't have to rev up. You understand what I'm saying? It's not you, it's the Spirit of God. A river does not have to question whether or not they're a river. Okay, and that's you. You have the Spirit of God in you. We've just gotta lay hold. We've gotta reach in. Holy Spirit, do you have something to say? We work with the Holy Spirit. We minister in the Spirit. And it it sounds like you. I don't know why God trusts you. (laughs) I can't solve that. I'm dealing with myself. No, but really, I'm not saying everything you say is God. I'm just saying, what a crazy, holy thing to consider that God would let me handle His Word in front of you. What a crazy, holy thing that God would allow you and I to pray for someone and, and to share something that might that, that might alter the course of their life. That's just, I mean, you don't need to add a lot to that. You just get to step into it, amen? You just get to step into it. Prophecy, man, I don't know, do you have a hunger for prophecy? Not as the only thing that God does, but as a special thing that God gives. That's it, it's not the only thing that God, the greatest miracle is the transform heart, we know that. But I've led a lot of people to the Lord through a prophetic word, I I have. I think one of the greatest apologetics is the prophetic. That's for another time. Prophecy releases the reality of God. Prophecy releases the reality of God. Let me uh, share this scripture with you. 1 Corinthians 14, 24, Paul's talking about when the Corinthians gather, and he's telling them it's a mess. When you gather, it's a mess. And then he says this. He's talking about prophecy. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying rather than speaking in tongues, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and he will be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. That's what I want. I want to live a life that people around me Receive something from the Lord, not from me. And they themselves recognize that it cannot be this guy. It cannot be this guy, right? Second Corinthians chapter 4, right? And we have this treasure in earthen vessels to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from ourselves. God decided to put a treasure inside clay so that he would show off because really, we all know that it can't just be us. You're not that great. I mean, you're great. Don't give me, wrong. like, you're great. The, the motivational side of me, you're great. But God's good. Jesus himself said, only God is good. Why do you call me good? Well, he knew he was good because Jesus was God. But you, we want an environment where people fall down and they worship the Lord. God is among this people because you couldn't have known that. You couldn't have, you couldn't have made that up, right? This is the Lord. Oh, this, is, this is what we're talking about. We're not talking about these sugar pills that we give people, prophecies, little sugar pill prophecies. You're amazing. You're the best person I've ever met. You know, like, that's, that's not, we don't want that. You, do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's not, we're talking about something that comforts, that strengthens, that encourages, that directs, that corrects that confirms that God, he wants to give more of that. Let me share this last story. Uh, and, I, and I'm really just trying to stir you. Like, I just want to stir you. I've got stories for days, and, and some of them will make me look dumb, and I'm totally fine with that being the case, if God's glorified. But I just, one time I was in Turkey with my friend, and uh, he lives there. He's a missionary there. We call him M's. He's, a, he's an M in Turkey. 99% Muslim in Turkey, and we were at the Blue Mosque. I don't know if you've ever heard of the Blue Mosque before, but it's a historical place. And literally, the hour of prayer, five times a day, Muslims, Muslims pray. So you'll hear there's, there's tens of thousands of mosques all over Turkey. And so the call of prayer is happening all day long, and so you just never don't hear it. So we're at the Blue Mosque, and we're looking at everything. They allow you into the courts. If you're not a Muslim, you can't usually go inside beyond that, but you get to be in the courts outside. And so we're outside and we're paying attention to everything. It's just really a beautiful, magnificent building. And we're praying, of course, because we love Jesus and we're, you know, we're in this place, anyways. And uh, this Imam comes out and it's during the hour of prayer and he's gathering people. This is what he's doing. It's time to come in and he's kind of separating the tourists from the Muslims. And so we're in Istanbul, we're in Turkey. We're at the Blue Mosque. We're in the middle of the courtyard, one of the larger mosques, during the hour of prayer while the prayer call is being given. And the imam walks up to us and he's trying to move us on or asking us if we're Muslim. And so he just walks right up to me and he goes, are you Christian? <laughs> he spoke good English. And I was like, yeah. I didn't know how this was going to go. You know? I was like, yeah. Because I didn't know he would speak English. He just walks up, you speak English? And I go, yeah. And so he starts talking to us and he starts debating with my friend about who Jesus is, like, immediately. So I was, like, really out of the conversation pretty much two minutes into the situation. And I was totally content with my friend arguing with him about this. Now, what's amazing about this is my friend, two, three minutes in, looks over at me, and goes, Ben, do you got a word? I'm not getting anywhere. That's what he says to me. Like, we, in other words, will you start praying for something supernatural to happen? Because this isn't working. And so I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So I start praying, and, and the Lord shows me something, shows me something about his son. So I see a picture of his son. I believe it's his son, and he's in, he's in a bed, and he's sick. He's laid out in this vision. And so I stopped the guy, and I, I said, hey, sir, I know you don't know me, and I don't know you, but um, I just was praying to God, and he showed me a picture, and I believe it's a picture of your son, and your son is, is ill, and he's sick right now. And, uh, and he goes, yeah? I'm like, okay, so that's right? And he goes, yeah? <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. And I go, okay, so... Um, and then I had a word of knowledge. Sometimes when you start speaking, you get more, right? But until you start speaking, you don't get more. It doesn't come to your mind. It, it's, a, it's a river. So then I said, and you've been in an accident, and your left leg, and it's your kneecap right now, it's like buckled and it's real hurt and you have a lot of pain. And he goes, yeah, this is not going very well. And I go, well, can I pray for you? And he goes, yeah. So I look at my friend and he goes, okay, I don't know if I'm supposed to touch him. This is a very, you know, not always, no, a lot of folks won't even shake hands when I was there. So I put my hand on his leg and I prayed in the name of Jesus. And I said, amen. And he goes, that's what he did, just one of those. And I said, and sir, I don't, I don't know what's going on with your son, but... I saw this picture where he's on he's on he's very sick and he goes yeah and as I'm speaking I'm speaking healing over his son I said I believe God wants to heal your son as I say that this is exactly how it happened his phone starts to ring he has a phone and he pulls out his phone and his son's calling him right when I'm saying this and he he answers the phone as I'm saying it and he's talking to his son something's happening I can't understand it was in a language I I didn't speak in Turkish and I'm sitting there in that moment and I'm like, God just showed me something about this man. God just showed me something about his son. And as I'm prophesying over his son's healing, he literally calls in the middle of that. Let me just ask you, what are the chances of anything like that happening? No, no, I'm really, like, there's some mathematicians in the room, like, let's just say, not probable. He gets off the phone, he's got like tears in his eyes, and then we just say, sir, could we just pray for you? And he says, yeah. So we put our hands on him, we're in the blue mosque, in the outer courts, praying for an imam during the hour, that moment of prayer. This is, we're looking around like, is this really happening? So we pray in the name of Jesus. He looks at my friend, and he goes, you have church? And my friend goes, yeah, he goes, I'll come to your church. That's what happened, just like that. Isn't that amazing? That to me was the scary one because you can't make this stuff up. I mean, you could. That would be scary to make it up. But the reality of God was released to a man who thought God was somebody else. That happened in 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, Somebody was so deeply impacted that he actually considered going to a church and we're standing in his mosque. Friends, I'm deeply concerned that so often we're trying to argue people into the kingdom and nobody's finding their way through the gates. What I'm saying is prophecy is not the only gift that God gives to us. The gospel is the message that we have. It's the message that saves. But the power of the Spirit is what God has given us to help accomplish the mission that each one of us has. You're not trying to do this by yourself. And what we need to do is learn how to minister in the Spirit. Some of us, I'm just going to say, you got to let the river flow again. So would you stand to your feet? I want to pray that the river would flow for some of you. I just know you're here. I know you're watching I want to pray for that to happen. I can't make that happen. God can make that happen. His word says in John seven thirty seven, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. So I'm asking you if you eagerly desire to prophesy. Do you want to prophesy? Do you want to minister to people? Whatever that looks like through you, not me, not anybody else, but just to minister to people the way that God wants to do it through you. Be satisfied with that. God will do it. It'll sound like you, You're still going to look like you. God will do it. Father, thank you. This rivers of living water, we'll just pray for a moment. So we're just going to pray it. Father, thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray for rivers of living water to flow from our innermost being. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've heard about it. We hunger for it. We desire it, Lord. We proclaim. We just say to you, we eagerly desire to minister. We don't read this word and think, that's for someone else. That is for us. Come, Holy Spirit, anoint us again. Break out in rivers of living water again. Use us mightily for your glory again. Break the resistance that we have. The fear that we have, not wanting to step out, not wanting to open our mouth, not wanting to say anything, not wanting to step out, break the power of that. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. The power of what you do is greater than the potential of any risk that we might have. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. In this environment, I pray that you would minister to our hearts. Hallelujah. We worship you. I'm just going to let Holy Spirit minister to us. Just if you don't know what that means just wait on him as Jared just kind of leads us in a time of worship our minds stay directed on him thank you Lord thanks for listening if you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries please go to our website igniteglobalministries.org while there check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written